0: We're uh, continuing in a series on the book of Romans, and I want to just read this passage to you today from Romans chapter 10, verses 5 to 15, and uh, there's some great words in this text, and uh, I want to just focus on a few of them this morning as we continue in our study. We're we're calling it unashamed, and uh, it's... uh, from Paul's words in chapter one of Romans. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it's the power of God to change lives, to bring new life. And that is the good news that we proclaim today. Um, Before I read scripture, though, I want to just do two more quick announcements. Um, One, I have a picture of Calais. right, is it there? There he is. We just got this not long ago, that's Joshua and Talar's. Little boy, I'm saying his name somewhat quietly because I'm not confident in it. Kale, Kale. Joshua is his middle name. Let's just call him Josh. What do you say? <laughs> uh, but he's he's looking good right there. And I did want to. Everyone was standing not long ago when I announced these two. I didn't want to have them stand. Philip and Stacy Petridis. Can you just stand up, guys, and wave at us? <laughs> We're so proud of you and happy for you in this new marriage and praying for you and believing for great days to come. God bless you. Let's all stand. Can we join these guys? And Let me read to you from Romans chapter 10, verses 5 to 15. For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth, and don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. In fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It's on your lips, and it's in your heart's. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. I I know some of you have heard this story before. If you have, just forgive me and put up with it, but it was just a little over 20 years ago now when I went to the Nazarene General Assembly, uh, much like I did earlier this summer, that uh, gathering that happens every four years, uh, Nazarenes from all over the world. I went 20 years ago, this summer, and uh, that, that time I didn't go as a delegate representing a church as a pastor. In fact, I went with my wife uh, representing Nazarene Theological Seminary. Can you put that up on the board? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, <laughs> I went representing Nazarene Theological Seminary, of the, the institution from which I had just graduated. And they were, I don't think they paid us much, maybe a little per diem, to go and work the booth in the exhibit hall, talking to alumni and potential students trying to drum up, you know, business really for the seminary. I went, uh, having graduated from seminary, but not having a place to serve. And it was my hope that some of those alumni that might come by the booth were district superintendents with open churches. You know, maybe you don't know, but they call them wonderful opportunities. To recently graduated seminarians. I had had a few conversations with district superintendents and other pastors about places of service, but none of them had just worked out for one reason or another. And in fact, one of them that had not worked out for one reason or another was with a little church in Santa Barbara, California. I'd been invited to send my resume and Uh, a cassette tape, anybody remember what those are, of a sermon that I had preached, and the board had taken my name and resume along with about 18 others, and I had not finished first in the final rankings, and so the church had decided to move in a different direction with a different pastor. I called the superintendent, asked him what had happened, he said those very words, they've decided to go in a different direction, Uh, James, sorry about that, but I'll keep you in mind. So it was with some surprise when I arrived at General Assembly that some of my friends who had been there for a couple of days before me said, hey, James, uh, Roger Bowman's looking for you. Roger Bowman, who's that? Oh, I think that's the district superintendent from the Los Angeles district. And one of them said, yeah, I think it's something about Santa Barbara. And I said, well, you know, you must be mistaken. He might have some other wonderful opportunities available, but um, I'm pretty sure that one's uh, you know, off, off the table for now. And so it was even a greater surprise when I left the booth in the exhibit hall to go to the assembly floor to see some other friends. And during a break, I was walking around and I was accosted by this gentleman who I had never met before face to face, but recognized his voice. Are you James? Yes, I am. I'm Roger Bowman. How you doing, Dr. Bowman? Nice to see you. And his words I'll never forget were simply these. There's been a change in Santa Barbara. (laughs) And I said, oh, is that right? Well, let's talk about that. And he went on to proceed to tell me that the church had invited a different pastor, but he decided that the opportunity wasn't wonderful enough. (laughs) (laughs) And so he decided himself to go in a different direction. And they went to number two who just happened to be me and uh, I was invited by Dr. Bowman to fly out to Southern California from our seminary life in Kansas City to meet with the board the very next week and uh, we, uh, we knew even as we met with the board some of whom are here this morning and as we visited among the congregation. And with the unanimous vote, I believe it was 22 to 0, that that God was affirming uh, what we already knew to be true in our hearts, that this was a wonderful place for us to to serve in ministry. How, I, I tell you that whole story, not to say anything about me necessarily, but to really to say something about Dr. Bowman, how beautiful were the feet of this man who brought good news. How beautiful were the feet. I mean, Dr. Bowman, to this day, is like one of my favorite guys. I see him anywhere. He's retired now, but when I bump into him, I just give him a big hug. I go to his wife, Marlene, and I just say, thank you, Marlene. I don't know if you had anything to do with it, but thank you, Dr. Bowman. How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. I'll never forget the words. There's been a change in Santa Barbara. How beautiful. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I love this phrase that Paul wraps up this passage from Romans with that we have read this morning. How beautiful. How beautiful are the feet of these messengers. In the midst of a, uh, of a season here at Coast Community where it seems that we have been confronted with lots of bad news in recent days and really, you know, not just weeks, but, but throughout the summer. This text we've read this morning asks us to consider the beauty of those who bring good news. And I just, I think I was struck by it because I just thought, oh man, I just need, and we need as a people, as a community of faith, to just, to just consider the beauty of God. First and foremost, it was in the passage that we read from Philippians chapter 4 at Rudy's memorial this week. Think on these things, and one of them is whatever is beautiful. Think on these things, and in the midst of, of difficulty and, and challenge and, and hard times, how good it is for us as a people to remember the beauty of God, the goodness and the grace of God. We've had our share of reminders of beauty, the births of Francesca and Levi and now baby LaForge. (laughs) I'm, I'm just cheating. I'm telling you, I'm just cheating. Josh Jr. These are, these, are, these are little glimpses. They're just reminders. And, and how many times have you said it when you look, you know, in the face of a baby? You just see the, the, the really, you know, just the, the creativity and the power and the goodness and the grace of God who would, who would give us these beautiful gifts. We all know what it feels like to receive bad news. No doubt about it. We've all received it. Most of us know what it feels like as well to receive good news. From the assembly hall back to the exhibit hall, I don't really remember my feet touching the ground. From when I went to tell to to tell what I had heard from Doctor Bowman to my wife Kyla, um, we we know that sort of walking on air feeling. We know that that uh, that feel of of, of good news, a, a new job, a new baby, a new home, a new health report, a new school, a new marriage. Paul is quoting from Isaiah chapter 52. Interestingly, the same section of scripture that we looked at last Sunday when, when we were in Isaiah 55. And if you remember, we were talking about Israelite people who were in exile. They were in Babylon. They were, had been taken captive far from their homeland and brought to this far off place, a different place. Different cultures, different religions, different customs, different people. Different, different, different. And and now in Isaiah, Isaiah is writing in this original context about, again, these who had been taken into exile. But the image that he's speaking of is at the end of this exile as God is turning the tables on their captives. And God is sending messengers, it's this image of messengers who are coming from the mountains and all around to, to come and to proclaim to those captives in Israel that actually things are changing in Babylon. God has gotten the upper hand and they will soon be returning home. Their invitation is to life, is to restoration, is to newness. These messengers are bringing to these people in exile a word of good news. You're going home. There's life to be lived. Some of you don't even know what to expect there, but it will be good. And how beautiful the feet of these messengers who bring such A story, such a word of good news to beleaguered people. How beautiful those feet! How good is this news? And so now, Paul takes this same image, which is just beautiful. He takes this same image. He's he's filled this whole passage with Old Testament references, but he takes this one in particular from Isaiah fifty-two, and 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 he now he applies it not to messengers who would come speaking about a, a change in. Babylonian exile status, but now a change in what God has done in and through his son Jesus Christ for the whole world who has been held captive by their sin, by that which has kept them distant and separated from God the Father. Now Paul speaks of those proclaimers, those who would come and tell the message of this amazingly good news that God has made it possible that you might be set free not only from your human captivity, but from your spiritual captivity, set free into a life of hope and fullness and meaning because of what he's done through his son, Jesus Christ. How beautiful, how beautiful. And maybe some of us even right now could think about that person or that sermon or that moment, that song that was being sung or that, that conversation that you were engaged in when, when the scales fell from your eyes spiritually and your heart was strangely warmed and opened up to a new faith in God through Jesus. And, and how beautiful were the feet, how beautiful was that person who helped you to come to that place of salvation the feet of these messengers are beautifully primarily because of the good news that they carry when we talk about this and Paul outlines it so powerfully in this passage when we talk about this we're talking about the, the, this this message that they that they carry the content of it is so powerful and so significant that 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 Paul says that we cannot help but be captivated by those who would share such a message. He describes the good news in this passage as the message that people, I love the NLT translation because it just makes it simple for us, that this message that people can be made right with God. Let's don't just sort of you know, skim over that. This, this incredible concept that, that we who have been marred by sin, that, as Romans said earlier, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that, that we would have the opportunity through the grace of God to be made right with God. This amazing content of this message that Paul wants to share with us that we can be made right. He writes to his own people, the Jewish people in particular, in this whole section, really chapters 9 through 11, he's writing to the Jewish people, essentially telling them here in this portion that they have made it much harder than they needed to. It's a lot more complex than that, but essentially that's what he's telling them. They've made it a lot harder than they needed to This good news, Paul says, is that this hope, this possibility of a life made right with God is not too far for us to reach. I'm often called into the kitchen or the bathroom or the hallway closet when those in my family, not so much my son anymore, but others in my family can't quite reach to the top shelf. And sometimes I think people feel like this this being made right with God, this real faith in God, this relationship with Jesus is just a little bit beyond their reach. Paul says it's not. It's not too far. In fact, it's, it's on our lips and it's in our hearts, he says. It's not beyond our capacity or capability. It's not... Requiring of all sorts of extreme measures, it's near to us because God's grace makes it come near to us. Maybe you're like me and you get on your phone or email a different offer every day from some company that is promising you the world, basically if you will just click through to their website. <laughs> and, and my, my uh, love-hate relationship, particularly, particularly, is with Dick's Sporting Goods. Anybody else get Dick's Sporting Goods emails? All right, somewhere, somehow, we bought something or something happened, or we got on their list. And I feel like whenever I try to unsubscribe, I get twice as many, so you know how that works. But I am just astounded at Dick Sporting Goods' email alerts because I'm telling you, when you first see the email, it looks so promising. I mean, $20 off any purchase. Who doesn't want that? 40% off any purchase. Who doesn't want that? Of course, there are these little asterisks after just about every promise, and what I've discovered is that, and I still do it, I click through again to another one this week, and I'm sure my name just got put down like six more times on their email accounts, but uh, what I've discovered just about every time is that those deals are not available on practically everything on their website. And if you look at the asterisks, and number one, there's usually two or three, and it says, not available on, boom. And like every brand name that makes any sort of sporting goods in the marketplace is not included. Or the other one that I have found out is that if it does include certain brands, then it only includes certain Products made by that particular brand. It's just this game, right? And it's not just Dick Sporting Goods. It's just this game that we live in, this world that we live in with the internet, getting us through to click through, making promises that come with restrictions and limitations and stipulations and you name it, it comes with it feet of those who bring the message of the gospel are so beautiful because with the message that they proclaim, there are no stipulations. There are no restrictions. If you confess with your mouth, if you believe in your heart, if this has become not just something, an outward thing that we do, but if it has become a part of the fiber of our lives, then And this is salvation, friends. There's there's no asterisk. There's nothing added to it when we click through. It's just this. This is the grace of God. This is the beauty of this message that comes to us in Jesus. If we confess with our mouth, if we believe in our hearts, then this is the offer that stands true for us and for everyone. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring such good news. But it's not just the content. Paul makes it clear that it's also the the range, the, the scope, the reach of this message that also makes... The feet of those who proclaim it so beautiful. Do you notice his words there? Simply put, I'll summarize and then come back in a few moments to maybe speak to it specifically. But simply put, Paul makes it clear that this message, this beautiful message, is for everyone. It's like Paul just... Has this moment where he says, I, I don't know if I'm gonna get a chance to say this anywhere else in any of my other letters, so I better make it clear right now. And he does get chances in other places, but in particular, it's like he just says, I gotta make this clear that this this good news, this this hope of life of being made right with God through Jesus, is not just for the pretty. It's not just for the wealthy, it's not just for the nice, it's not just for the religious. It's not just for the well dressed, it's for everybody. In fact, I just kind of wrote some things down. It's for the broken, it's for the hurting. It's not only for the hurting, it's for the hurtful. That's a hard one for me. It's for the poor, it's for the sinful, it's for mean people. For addicted people, it's for two faced people, all the people that we can't stand, all the people that we often are, it's for those people, it's for us people. <laughs> How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. As a, as a coach, one of my, especially at a high, as a high school coach, one of my worst moments, and I've only had to do it, well, two times thus far, especially in coaching a sport like basketball where you can only have so many kids on the team, is that day when we have to say, these are the kids who made the team, and these are the ones who didn't. And... Uh, Thankfully, I'm not the varsity coach and I defer all those ultimate choices to him so that I can kind of keep a spirit of peace within my own heart. But I experienced that in my own life, that moment of walking to the door of the PE room or the gym and looking at the list of those who had made the team and those who had not. And let's just call it what it is. What do they call it when you don't make the team? You got cut. (laughs) Doug calls them losers. (laughs) Sorry. That's my fault for asking the question. (laughs) You got cut. You got cut. I remember when I was a junior in high school, I uh, had really decided to make basketball my focus, but I thought I wanted to keep playing baseball too, and I uh, got like a one-day tryout because I was playing basketball, and baseball season had already started, and I pretty much just stood out in right field for the whole practice and didn't really get to do anything, and I went to the gym door, the bulletin board, and the in the locker room the next day, and there were the names of those invited to be on the varsity baseball team. And I looked, and I looked again. (laughs) I said, there must be some mistake in my mind. But my name wasn't written anywhere on that list. And so my heart goes out to kids who give their all and don't make a team. There's some high school kids in this room who Perhaps you've already tried out for stuff. You didn't make it. Keep trying. Or try something else. It, it, it doesn't feel good for some people to get good news. I mean, it's, it's like there, there can be five kids that walk to that, do, that, uh, that door, and three of them walk away with arms raised in exaltation, and two walk away with shoulders slumped in great depression. It doesn't feel good to get bad news. It especially doesn't feel great when you get bad news and other people get good news. Paul wants to tell us here that the feet of those who bring this message of good news are especially beautiful, friends, Because whoever you are, and wherever you are, and whatever you've done, and whoever you've been, and whoever you are, even right now, this message of good news that you might be made right with God is for you. It's good news. And not a single person is left out of this particular invitation, not a single person cut. All are welcome. Paul wants to be very, very clear. Did you hear the words he says? Anyone who trusts in the Lord will never be disgraced. The same Lord gives generously to all. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In his time, he was speaking again to Jewish people who were having a hard time believing that non-Jewish people, Gentile folks like most of us, could any way be included in the promises of God. And Paul's saying, actually, they can. And in our day, as we, most of us Gentile folks, have a hard time saying other folks like us couldn't possibly, not like us, be included in the promises of God, God wants to say to us through these words, yes, they can. And they are. And I am involving and including and inviting them. It's not only the content it's the expanse, the reach of this message. But Here's a last thought. The feet of the messengers, it seems to me, are particularly beautiful. These who bring good news. Not just because of the content of what they say and not just even because of the reach of what it is that they are saying, but because of the way in which these who come bearing this good news find their, find their place in the beautiful, overarching plans and purposes of God in and for his world. Th- these, these ones who bring this message of good news are particularly beautiful because they are part of something even bigger than they are that is incredibly and amazingly beautiful in the plans and purposes of God in his world. Yes, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring this message. How beautiful that God's people would go there's many of you here this morning that need to realize that you are who you are in God, not just for yourself. You have been made right with God through Jesus Christ. And now you have been equipped so that you might be ones who would go. How beautiful that that, that people like us could be equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit in such a way that we might be ones. That would go and proclaim in word and deed the depth and the width of the grace of God and the mercy and the love that we have ourselves experienced and to share that with the world around us. How beautiful that there would, not, that there would be people, how beautiful this is, because you've met some of these. Some of you, some of us aren't there, but you've met some of these people who are simply not content. That there would be any in the world who would say about Jesus, I just didn't know. How sad that there would be people in Santa Barbara, some of our neighbors. Some people even here, perhaps even this morning with us, who would say, I just really don't know about Jesus. And how beautiful it would be that there would be folks who would say, I, I, I'm just going to go. and I'm just going to tell. I'm going to live a life. and I'm going to proclaim in word and in deed the goodness and grace of God. How beautiful that followers of Jesus would recognize that they have a message that brings life and hope and peace and would be willing and courageous enough to share that with others in need. But in verse 15, if you notice it there, Paul begins to speak about this incredible chain reaction that has to take place. This bigger picture, this grander purpose, and he makes it clear that before anyone can go and tell others this good news, they must first of all be sent by God himself. How beautiful that those would go, but how even potentially more beautiful that God would send, that God would... Send his people out in the world for his purpose. We often talk about being a sending church. I don't think we used that language with Alisa and Anders. Um, but oh, we've used it. In the last few weeks, I have seen, and some of these names will mean something to you and to others. They won't mean anything, but I've seen the Linehans and the Knapps and the Webbers. And yesterday, or a couple days ago, I saw the Bennetts. I mean, there are just like four families right there. And I use this, like, movement intentionally. <laughs> like, they have gone out from us at Coast Community to parts around the world, really. And we like to talk about being a church that has sent them out into the world. But here's the thing. We've got to remember that before we are ever a sending church, we are first and foremost a sent church. It is God who does the sending. Do you remember... Our statement that we said, it's not the church of God that has a mission. It's not us that have the mission. It's not the church of God that has a mission. It's the God of mission who has a church. And can we celebrate the beauty of this fact, this amazing grace that God would send his people out in the world, that he would somehow believe in us, that he would somehow trust in us, that he would somehow empower us, how beautiful it is, how beautiful it is, not only when God sins and when people tell, but how beautiful it is when people who are far from God hear and believe and call upon God. Sometimes I think about how monumental of a step it is for anyone to drive into that parking lot on a Sunday morning, let alone people who have been going to church for, you know, 50 years. It's kind of a, sometimes it can be a hard thing, not just physically, but spiritually. For, For folks who have never been a part of a church or known much about who God is, to pull into that parking lot, to come into this place. I I mean, just just blow that up a little bit and think about just how how significant it is for someone who has been, you know, again, outside the lines of Christian faith, perhaps, and to somehow come to a place where it, it begins to make sense. And the Holy Spirit really begins to do a work and to clarify some thinking and to come to a point of need and a heart for God, to come to a place of recognizing the depth of God's love and grace for them, to come to a place of believing that and even calling out to God. I mean... That's a miracle. If you want to talk about miracles that happen in our world today, the the fact that someone could come to faith, that's not of us. That's a miracle. That God could... That's that's beautiful. (laughs) That's beautiful that by God sending and by someone's proclaiming that someone would hear... and believe and call but most beautiful of all is that when that happens that God would save I love it when I hear people say that they led someone to the Lord <laughs> I just kind of chuckle actually I've said it myself you know I helped lead that person to the Lord okay maybe you helped you we, you know, the Bible says some planted, some watered. So yeah, maybe we have some part to play in someone's movement toward God. I think the Holy Spirit has a whole lot more to do with it than any of us probably give credit to him for. But, but ultimately, it's God who saves. I was reading some articles and watched a little video this week about CEOs of major companies, who every once in a while go into the call centers for their companies and take complaints and work through real-life situations with different customers. And some you know, answered the, uh, the phone by saying, yeah, I'm the CEO. Others waited till the end to say, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm the CEO. But, but regardless, there, and there's another article about... Um, there's a new website where you can get CEOs' emails. And so this reporter sent out emails to all these CEOs and, and to see how long it would take for them to respond. And some responded within like five minutes. I, I just think that this is, this is so beautiful that when you, when any of us, when anyone comes to believe and, and to hear and to believe and to call in the name of the Lord, you don't get like someone in the call center you don't have to ask for a manager. You know, no, really, I'm screwed up. I need to talk to the manager. <laughs> no, really, my sin is bad. I need the boss. It's like a direct line. It's like a direct, there's no, like, God is not, you know, kind of sending his underling, his angels off to deal with certain salvation stories. Not so bad, I'll send an angel over there. Well, I better take care of that It's the one who saves. If you testify today that uh, by confessing the name of Jesus and by believing in your heart you have been saved, guess who saved you? God did. God did. You didn't do it. Your friend didn't do it. Something you did didn't do it. One of God's helpers didn't do it. God, through his son Jesus, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, our three-in-one God did it. And how beautiful that is. The word translated beautiful here in this passage, interestingly and literally, it means timely, timely. How timely are the feet of those messengers who bring good news. How beautiful because they are right in time. (laughs) How timely I believe this morning that we would be confronted again by this beautiful good news. How timely that each of us would be invited to see where it is that we stand in Relation to this good news. Are we ones who are. Carrying this message. Are our feet. Potentially beautiful. To someone who might hear. Are we those who are looking. to Someone to bring us a message of hope. How timely. Indeed. For us. I pray that we would. Discern and discover the appropriate response that we might make to this good news today. Let's stand together, can't we? Invite our worship team to come. Just bow your heads with me, would you? Close your eyes. God, it's good for us to gaze upon your beauty even as we think about your beauty that's expressed through the through the feet of those who bring good news we're so glad those who are living in a right relationship with you today for the feet of those that brought good news to us we're so grateful that that someone told us we're so grateful that your spirit worked in our hearts in such a way that <clears throat> we would be led to respond. We're so thankful that you have made things right, that you have saved us, God. You, you saved us not only from a life of brokenness, really, and sin, even though it maybe didn't seem like it was that bad. It was, it was a life apart from you. You saved us from that. You saved us from from hopelessness, and, and you saved us for a life with you, both now and forever, a life filled with meaning and purpose and, and significance, not because of anything we've done, but because of what you're doing in the world and our opportunity to be a part of it with you. We're grateful for that. And there'll be many of us here this morning, God, who would just need to respond to this, this beautiful truth by by somehow by your grace uh, pledging our allegiance to you to to more fully be those who would bring this good news this good news that is not accompanied by any stipulations or restrictions but is beautiful and powerful and reaches to every person, that we would be empowered by your grace in such a way to be those whose feet would be beautiful in the world, carrying and conveying this message. And there would be others here this morning, God, who would just need to say, I I need the beautiful feet of someone to come and to speak this message of hope into my life. For some who are believers, there's still a, a point perhaps which is not fully owned or made personal. It, it's still sort of an outward thing and, and, and more than just a doing. It's It's got to be a done thing. It's, it's We want this faith to be a, a part of every fiber of our soul, every aspect of our lives. We want it to be not just confession of our mouths, as important as that is, but this, we want this belief in our hearts to be so firm and decisive we want to hear this beautiful message once again. And it might be that there would be some who, again, find themselves in a place of of questioning whether or not they're right with God. This, this uncertainty, and and today might be a, a moment in which they would hear and believe and call and even receive the salvation, God, that you have to offer. May each one know that it is in the confession of Jesus as Lord. It's, it's the belief in our heart that, God raised him from the dead, that it's in that that we find an open door into a lifetime of relationship with God. And if there would be some like that this morning who would confess with their mouth and believe in their heart, God, I pray that they would do that intentionally and that they would know that you are saving them both from and for, even now. God, we worship you now. We thank you for, again, your beauty that is expressed to us, your grace and goodness that extends to us. We are the grateful recipients, and we respond to you now in worship. And we pray this in Jesus' name.